just fantasy Caught in a landslide No escape from reality Open your eyes Look Look up up to to the the skies And see I'm just Arjuna Arjuna Recording this podcast I hope you enjoy it I hope it won't be the last Now introducing Covert Go Blue I'm just a problem I Easy come, yeah. easy go. It's, it's what, no, creature. stop, stop, count stop, your spell. Stop, All right, stop. They're this, turning it off. They're turning it this off. Is, this is the Arena Craft podcast, <laughs> and uh, I just wanted to get a little surreal for y'all. However, magic spoilers do feel a little bit like a never ending song <laughs> lately. <laughs> it's just a constant stream of bangers, and uh, that's basically what we're going to be talking about today. First of all, Covago Blue, though, how's it been going on the arena for you? (laughs) Uh, That song probably thoroughly got rid of everybody who's here for just practical wisdom and information. (laughs) And I'm glad. I'm glad that we have this time with the true fans who respect the genius that is the uh, architect Arjuna and the nonsense that is the Covago Blue. (laughs) So welcome to the Arena Craft Podcast. And uh, what have I been doing in the arena? That's a great question. Ah, gosh, the days go by so fast. I, I've been playing 2022, kind of nonstop. Okay, S- still, still spammy. Not sick of it. I'm I'm crafting in my mind the tweet of thank you and appreciation I'm actually going to send right around rotation time because I feel like standard 2022 absolutely saved the last couple months of Eldraine standard because yeah. I've just been able to ignore that it's even happening, which is, ah, it's a beautiful feeling. You haven't been playing Nio and Ota? Uh, I made a video with it. I played two <laughs> games and then I was done. You got your wins and you bounced? <laughs> I, I think the very first game, I don't remember what deck I was playing, but I played, I logged in to play a game of standard for a video and my opponent, we went into turn five. I, I played a gold span dragon, attacked my opponent and put out like a shambling gas or something as a blocker. I had 20 life. My opponent had a Torbran and an Annex and uh, I died. That's fun. It yep. was not fun. It was a, a reminder of everything you liked about standard. Dude, and right? if they hadn't killed me, I was just going to all runs Epiphany three times, and they were going to die. I, yep. it, and I think I played two removal spells that game. It just didn't matter. It's like I hate that standard, and I'm I'm glad it's going away. But standard 2022, I'm not sick of it. I went six and zero yesterday playing Mardu Sacrifice with Extus and Showdown Ooh, of the yep. Scalds. Like that deck is actually really good at blasting through chump blockers, which we've talked about are a big part of the format because you can play Awaken the Blood Avatar, sacrificing Fireblade Charger, Shambling Ghast to kill their two tiny birds. And then the sacrifice effect from Awaken kills their last blocker. And then you have a three six that attacks and hits them for another three. So it like actually closes games really effectively. So that was really fun. And then today I played Esper Control. Cool. Just you know, Vanishing Verse, Behold the Multiverse, Saw It Coming, Doom Scar, All Runs Epiphany, Planeswalkers, lots of lessons. And I loved it. And I, I went six and one today. So I'm on a hot streak and feels good. Okay. Feels good. All right. 
Feeling groovy. Yeah, I mean, rants about the matchmaking aside, I do still think it's a very fun format. One of the things I enjoy about it is that it still mm -hmm. feels like a very unsolved format. And that's impressive when you consider the limited number of sets that we're working with. It feels like a very rock, paper, scissors format to me at the moment. I have experimented with decks such as, you know, Golgari, Harness Infinity, which I found very fun and crushed some decks, but was fairly inconsistent. I've been messing around a little bit more with this. Oh, I hate to interrupt, but I've got to really quick. Did you ever get some non-Golgari, non-mirror matching games with your Harness Infinity deck? Because I feel like if there's a hot topic <laughs> going by my YouTube comments, I think the people actually want an update on if it ever got better. It did get a little bit better, I will say. And here's another thing. I don't know if you've noticed, but the matchmaker Here we go. Let's warm it up. Let's get that rant so. going again. By the way, people are here for the rants. <laughs> like, that was resounding feedback. Dude, yeah, people dug the rants, right? So thanks for the feedback, Crafties. And I'm also glad that we're not the only people thinking about this out there. But yeah, man, the Golgari deck always felt really targeted. I never felt like I got really great matchups with it. But they, they did improve on my second play session a little bit, which was good. I got to see a few other things. I also got to test my theory about how good it would be versus the Blood Money deck. Ooh. The results were Ooh. very good so far. Trash so talk. that was nice. All right. Cool. <laughs> it turns out that Harness Infinity does go pretty hard over the top of most grindy plants. Yeah, that doesn't sound bad. <laughs> yep. And here's another thing, not not to salt you in particular, CGB, but I have found that that Blood Money deck can be pretty cold to just good old Faceless Haven, man. Maybe. <laughs> you use up all of those, you know, soul shatters and then you kind of get caught with your pants down. Anyway, let's see. What else have I been playing? I've actually, I've been watching Ali Eldrazi stream lately. He's been spending quite a lot of time in the format and coming up with some pretty hot fire deck lists. He's just in general a great brewer. Uh, if you're ever looking for like fresh content, something to try and someone who's like, he's well known as being like a really competitive jank brewer. He's actually won some tournaments playing, um, what was that? Lich's Mastery? Five color Lich's Mastery. He, uh, I think he took down like a, like a GP maybe? No, it was a Star City Games. Oh, okay. It was an SCG. Yeah, it was a classic. So they have their main tournaments and then on day two, they play what's called classics, which are larger Good, well-prized supported tournaments for the people who didn't yeah. make it in day one. And he won one of those, I believe, is the story with Lich's Mastery. Okay, got it. So he's he's just always trying to squeeze a little bit more out of a format. And sometimes he strikes gold. And uh, so he's a really great person to watch if you want to get some fresh ideas. He came up with a pretty cool Bant party deck, which I was playing around with. A little inconsistent, but could go off real hard. And another deck that I just watched him hit Mythic with, 65% win rate, Cody. So, you know, apparently Cody can do some things. I've had some people <laughs> spamming, like, play Cody at me lately. I guess that's where it came from. I'm telling you, when I play Cody, it dies. I don't know how this works oh, yeah. for everybody else, but my Cody's just enter the battlefield and die. Like, it's in the graveyard before I even know it, what happened. This is the way that his games tended to play out, right? Because he, he was, you know, including white in his deck. So it would be something like he'd play out a Cody, it would get killed. He'd wrath the board. Pono would play some other creatures. He'd play another Cody, it would get killed. He'd wrath the board. Eventually, he'd just top deck Velomarchus and they'd, they'd just run out of removal, so, you know? So it's a Cody deck. <laughs> 
unquote <laughs> it's, it's it's like an it's like an all-around epiphany vela marcus deck thinly veiled as a cody deck i think that's you got a backdoor sure. man so those are just a number of the various things that you can do in the format and get some fairly high win rates with so yeah i think it's a sweet format and i don't know i've been back on my simic bs and that deck is still performing very well. Oh, I wanted to talk to you about the Simic BS. So are you still running uh, Cyclone Summoners in those? Yes. Does it still have blood money problems? Okay, I had a couple games that I was able to close out. A card that really helped was a Seeker's Chariot. Okay, that's all right. Yeah, I had some... This is what I found with blood money, was that I was able to beat the deck when I came out aggressively... And basically the opponent either stumbled on blood on the snow. Like I had a game, for example, where I uh, resolved a couple summoners and they just didn't have blood on the snow and it ended the game very quickly. Or Vanishing Verse or Kaya. Wow. You know, they, they went through them. They went through them. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was trying to solve that, like, because I was still trying to revisit, like, the Simic Ramp deck, but I wanted yeah. something for more of like what the meta became, not what the meta was. And I ended up adding red and running Battle of Frost and Fire and Magma Opus. Oh, very nice. And just having a lot of the learn cards with uh, Field Trip and Divide by Zero. So it's almost, I don't know if I had any creatures in it at all. I, I don't think I, oh, Tangled Florahedron was the only creature, which I'm usually <laughs> playing as a land anyway. And yeah, it's just a really fun spell ramp deck. And it was really mm. like it was doing really good for me. So you, you should try that if it sounds interesting. Battle of Frost and Fire kills a lot. It does. It's that's a really solid card. I've actually seen a fair number of just funky is it decks running that card with various levels of giants or not that many giants more controlling shells stuff like that i mean you can have like a fairly controlling is it deck running battle of frost and fire with a couple of cyclone summoners on the top end it's totally fine you know Alrin's epiphany that kind of thing another card that i've been really interested to play around with especially because it's really excellent in a mid-range meta and really excellent against decks like blood money is crackle with power that card is not a joke as a finisher. I'm curious if you ended up putting that in your Teemo ramp deck, because that seems like a perfect, just like off the top, finish the game card. So I had it, and mm -hmm. then I ended up removing it, and I ended up instead just running two Quandrix commands with the idea that I was just going to loop Magma Opus forever. Okay, okay, that's legit. But I, I mean, I could <laughs> see if you just actually want to end the game. I was trying to I was trying yeah. to get a little more salt out of my opponent than that, you know? Yeah, that's off brand for CGB, right? Crackle just... with power is just too it's too kind. <laughs> it lets them off easy. And I, I feel like oh they should have gosh. to suffer and um squirm for longer if they want to play the whole game. That's my take. So another deck that I was playing around with, which I actually think would be a lot better if the mana didn't suck so hard, was just like it was a gruel deck with kind of a treasure sub theme and a couple of crackle with power to just finish off the game. I found the deck to be very, very solid, except that the mana just really sucked. But I, I think that like something like even just a snarl, even if they oh. just print the next cycle of snarls in Innistrad, which would be a disappointment, by the way, but even if they did do that, it might be enough to get a deck like that running a little better. Were you being snobby about playing Highland Forest? I, I just hate I hate it, dude. The, the answer I... to the question is yes. You were being snobby about playing Highland Forest. Come on. You got to suck it up sometimes. Dude, Jaspira Sentinel and Highland Forest in the same deck feels so bad, man. It feels Mwah. so bad. <laughs> I will say, though, 
that a deck running, you know, Jaspira Sentinel, Magda, Goldspan Dragon, you can very reliably just dome your opponent for 10 with Crackle with Power. And um, the deck is not a joke when it when it's running. It, it led me to want to play more with Crackle with Power. I think that in a not Embercleave dominated format <laughs> or in a not Winota dominated format, you might actually live long enough to consistently deal 10 to 15 points to your opponent's face with Crackle. So You heard um, it here, folks. Crackle <laughs> with Power is Embercleave at home. I that's kind of how it felt, dude. That's kind of how it felt. Oh, like it's it's kind of like ultimatum at home, right? What I liked about it was that when you have one or two copies in your deck, it just gives you inevitability so that when your, you know, CGB watching opponent is trying to just loop Kaya endlessly, you can be like, well, that was cute. Let's end the game now. Hmm. <laughs> As you can tell, I spend a fair amount of my brewing just thinking about how I can beat various CGB decks since they're about 50% of what I play against on the ladder. So it's less of a vendetta against you, buddy, and more just a realistic assessment of what I need to be prepared for. Sorry, not sorry, I guess. (laughs) But hey, you're doing it. That's cool. I mean, that's a good place to start. Trust me, there are a lot of people who want to beat every deck I ever put out. I mean, if I can beat some of them, feel like I pat myself on the back. Yeah, so follow this guy. Check him out on Twitch. Standard 2022. It's a cool format. You should uh, keep keep checking it out. All right. Let's pivot into the main course, as it were, for the show. And we are going to talk about historic jumpstart. Let me, let, me, let me say that again. Jumpstart, colon, historic horizons, which is a set which is hitting arena. When you're listening to this, it will be happening a couple of days from when you listen to this on August 12th. Now, Kovac Go Blue, I'm a little salty because Wizards has basically asked us to preview not one, but two arena legal sets. Yeah, dude. I, I was going to say, I I thought we had some, you know, sweet new cards coming to standard to talk about. I was, was kind of thinking about it, but you sound like you got something to say. Dude, I'm over it, man. Wizards, like, come on, bro. They're already previewing too many sets to begin with, right? I mean, we just got finished previewing, I don't know, what the commander set or some stupid thing. <laughs> now we've got like jumps. I mean, imagine if you play like not just arena, but like any other format in Magic. It's like you're never, it never stops, right? The Magic cards never stop. And I'm not particularly one to complain about more Magic cards, but I'm just not going to preview more than one set on the podcast at the same time. That just crosses the line for me. We're not going to have a segments of this set pre- getting previewed at the same time this set is getting previewed. You're just lying in the sand. You're not going to do it. I think it's BS. Yeah. And Wizards should do one set at a freaking time, and Arjuna's going to make a stand right here. Stay guys. in your lane. Wizards, come on. Forget that there's some Innistrad Midnight Hunk cards out there. We're not talking about them. That's, that's the position. Next week, dude. Next week. Okay, next week. Got it. All right, all right. So with that said, we are going to revisit Historic Horizons, and we're just going to talk about a few more of the cards that have been previewed since we spoke last time, which, you know, we think are going to have an impact on the format. The first one I wanted to mention, this is just a flavor mention more than anything else, but I just think this card's really cool. It's called Late to Dinner. (laughs) So 
this <laughs> this is nice. three in a white sorcery. It shows like a rhino with like a ghost elephant, just like having dinner. <laughs> anyway, but the, the text on this card is return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Create a food token. <laughs> and in addition to this being a pretty sweet flavor, I just think that this is a card to notice. This is a mono white reanimator card which is as far as reanimator cards go fairly competitively priced in the past you had to actually mill a card into your graveyard to get this effect in the form of unburial rights and so i think that it's interesting that white is just getting this for themselves so if you want to play some kind of reanimator strategy that doesn't involve black then this is probably going to be in your deck you also get a food token We've proven again and again that that's not nothing. So no. like if you return, just for an example, if you return a Corvold, you get to immediately eat a food. Yep. You don't have to sacrifice a land. But I'm sure there's other uses for just having an artifact in play and bringing a specific creature into play. There's yep. probably something there. Yep, absolutely. I mean, some of the more powerful cards in Magic's history are creatures that interact with artifacts, right? I look at this card and I see something like maybe you could do like a Boros Velomachus Reanimator deck, right? There's just like plenty of... Or, or you could have decks which have an A plan and then the B plan is to back end into late to dinner. I also want to highlight the fact that you're going to hear this card a lot, all right? So get used to it, crafties. Dragon's Rage Channeler is a card which is basically just going to totally slam. It's going to body slam the historic format. And you're going to see a lot of decks which are A, going to be playing a number of creatures, beat down plan. B, going to be putting a lot of stuff in the graveyard to turn on the Dragon's Rage Channeler. And so therefore, C, you might actually get like some interesting shells that, you know, you could like kick it off with Dragon's Rage Channeler, have a Velomachus reanimation late game, do some shenanigans in between. I don't know. Maybe that's a total meme, but these are the kind of things that I'm thinking about. I think that looks really cool. I hadn't seen that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I dug it. Um, another card which I think could go into such a deck is Seasoned Pyromancer. So this is one red red, mythic creature human shaman at 2-2. Two, two. When Seasoned Pyromancer enters the battlefield, discard two cards, then draw two cards. For each non-land card discarded this way, create a 1-1 one, one red elemental creature token. But wait, there's more. You can pay three red red and exile Season Pyromancer from your graveyard. Create two 1-1 one, one red elemental creature tokens. So this card's doing a lot of things and it's putting a lot of crap on the board in the meantime. It's pooping out it's tokens. It's just, just pooping them out, right? And this isn't like, I'm not going to say like, yeah, crafties just go out and craft four of these. It's not like that. This card might not end up being a big deal in the format but it's just it's got a lot of text on it that could go a long way what do you think i think that on the competitive front and as far as like the decks a lot of people already have i think the biggest problem for this card is that it goes in a lot of the decks that luris also plays in mm, fair. so it doesn't fit with luris so is that enough can we get away from luris i think if you want to try something new you can play with Season Pyromancer. There are probably other decks that aren't Lurus decks that are like Faithless Looting, Hollow One style that yeah. it lines up perfectly with, Madness decks, and just all kinds of like these mid-range value and decks that just need a little more value, but Ox of Agonis is way too slow for Historic, and mm -hmm. maybe this card is 
good. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, this is one of the better. It's a mythic, right? Yep. This is one of the better mythics in the set, actually, because I expected to have a lot of mythics to craft, but this and Davriel are kind of two of the big standouts. Do you think that like seasoned pyromancer and young pyromancer could end up in the same deck? Hmm. Could be interesting, right? I played Young Pyromancer for like Dreadhorde Arcanist mm-hmm. and some decks like that. And I've been getting away from it. Same with Phoenix. Like I keep cutting that card when I play it yeah. because I haven't found the tokens being super relevant because we're still in a format where chump blocking isn't really a thing. That's true. And I agree. I have just in general been unimpressed with that archetype. I think that it can definitely like get you to mythic on the ladder and stuff. But when it really comes down to it, it's fairly underpowered. We can just run some Pyromancer Tribal. There you, you know, go. Maybe, maybe just for fun. Yeah. We'll just run Pyro Tribal. It could happen. All right. Here's another three drop, which may see some play. Ranger Captain of Eos. One white, white, mythic creature, human soldier. This is a 3-3. When Ranger Captain of Eos enters the battlefield, you may search a library for a creature card with converted mana cost one or less, reveal it, put it into your hand, and then shuffle your library. And you can sacrifice Ranger Captain of Eos. Your opponents can't cast non-creature spells this turn. I mean, this card just has like creature combo written all over it. It has a nice little backdoor of if you're doing like a predominantly creaturey deck, like let's say a humans thing or something, you can also sack this during your opponent's upkeep on a key wrath turn perhaps so don't don't take that sack clause lightly that can really shut the door against number of decks i think the real question with this card is what are we fetching does anything come to your mind when you think about this uh so a few things stand out a big one is death shadow it's a good one so if you're gonna play a death shadow deck this might make it more worth it to run white isn't there ranger of eos is like the three two that fetches one one yeah or two one ones. Yeah. But that one didn't really make it. It was a bit too slow. This one is a bit of a better body and a more relevant ability. I also love that the sacrifice can push things through counter spells. Yep. So if there's like a creature combo deck, it's really good. I mean, there's a lot of places where that Esper Sentinel uh, that we I think we talked about last week could be a good fetch. Yeah. It could at least be a backdoor fetch, right? You can grab Dragon's Rage Channeler, mm-hmm. right? You, that, that's you sure kind can. of going to be around. Yeah. I'm a Yorian nerd, man. I just want to blink this and get all four Thraben Inspectors oh, and just baby. keep blinking the Thraben Inspectors. Oh, that's what I'm... baby. That's, that's, that's it for me. There's a card I'll read next, which go very well in that shell, but... Um, Another card that I was just thinking of is, and then it went right out of my mind. Yes, okay, it was the uh, the O one with pack tactics, right? What's that card called? I call it. <laughs> I call it the Croakies nonsense. The Croakies nonsense card, right? He revealed it. Yeah. So if you're running a deck based around that card, boom, fetch it up with Ranger Captain of Eos. There you go. This is copies five through eight. I, I, I got to know now. Now I got to know. I can't. I can't <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember what that guy's name is. Like, what the heck is that little thing called? The Minion of the Mighty. Minion of the Mighty, right? So that that's another example of kind of like a game ending one drop that you could want to fetch up. Did you see? Did you see that card got like a little buff? Just a little one? I didn't. Because Scale Up is in the set. Oh, Scale Up. Okay. You know what? I wasn't going to read that card, but I think that card's pretty sweet. Sorcery for one green mana until end of turn, target creature you control becomes a green worm with base power and toughness 6-4. But you can also overload it for four green green, and that means that every creature 
you get becomes that. Yeah, that's a heck of a combo, dude. <laughs> yeah, so before you needed like turn one minion of the mighty, turn two giant growth infuriate. Yep. And then you had to have Terra Mount Valus in your hand. Now you can just have the minion of the mighty and with one card scale up, give it six power. And if you have Mount Valus in your hand, Terra Mount Valus in your yeah. attack, it's 20 damage on turn two. There you go. So 22 damage, right? Yeah, and then you can you can come up with versions of that which, you know, go off hard on turn four as well, right? So let's say that the turn two one doesn't get your opponent. Maybe you ranger captain on three, and then on turn four you try it again. Don't forget, you sacrifice the ranger captain, and they can't stop They you. can't interact with the combo, right? So it sounds ultra janky, but, like, you're probably going to get got by this at some point on the ladder. Plus, I mean, scale up's a sweet card, dude. In the late game, you just freaking jam it and just overrun your opponent. Not a bad card. All right, so the next card I wanted to talk about, which I think you're going to like, Kovac Go Blue, is Soul Herder. This card sees play in Modern, I believe, and uh, can be a very powerful card. One white blue creature spirit at Uncommon, by the way. It is a 1-1, one, one, and whenever a creature is exiled from the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on Soul Herder, and at the beginning of your end step, you may exile another target creature you control, then return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. So this is like Thassa is basically Soul Herder at home. Yeah, three mana and it gets bigger and it it, it does only blink creatures. Yep. But that, I guess Thassa did as well. Mm-hmm. Thassa's indestructible, but like three mana, pretty big deal. So this card sees play along with Ephemerate and I guess like some other blink effects in modern. I don't really know what the combos are. We probably don't have most of the cards that make that deck like really good. But yeah, it's still a pretty cool effect. And you start your blinking a lot sooner than like either Tharsa turn four or Yorian turn whatever, right? So <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> how dare you speak ill of Yorian? <laughs> Let's just say Yorian is the eldest statesman of companions. This thing will get big fast. It says whenever a creature is exiled. Yep. So if I play a Restoration Angel... Which, by Which the way, in the may set. or may not be in the set. <laughs> Spoiled. And I exile my Yorian, and then my Yorian comes back exiling my Restoration Angel, who comes back at end step exiling my Yorian. The Soul Herder got to be a 4-4, and we get to exile another thing with the Soul oh, Herder. Oh, baby, right? And then when we, when we go with, like, Charming Prince and... Yeah, we get some ephemerates in there. I don't know, man. It could start to get pretty nutty. Yeah, this card is sweet. Uh, and an uncommon. And an uh, uncommon. And a, and a spirit, which is a type mm-hmm. in Historic. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, it's awesome to see that more of these uncommons didn't get, like, reared up yep. like they did in the Mystical Archive. You know what I mean? Dude, you know what I want to do, CGB? I want to cast Collected Company hitting Soul Herder and Skyclave Apparition. That's what I want to do. Ooh. <laughs> Whenever a creature is exiled from the battlefield. Yep. So when you exile the opponent's creature, you get a you counter. You get the counter. And then at end step, you flicker the, and you get another counter. Yep. And oh my gosh. And it comes in and it exiles. One of your opponent's things. Another thing, which gives you another <laughs> counter if it's a creature. Okay. So that's, okay. that's what I want to okay. do. That's the kind of nonsense I want to be getting up to. Yeah. Those are both spirits, right? Yes, they're both spirits. So we can still run the spirit lord. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Dude, this is awesome. Offrey Ghost Forge top end. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Linking spirit tribal and historic. <laughs> let's let's rumble. It's it's a thing, right? You could try it out. Okie dokie. So next on the list, Nettle Cyst. 
this speaks to anyone who's ever tried to make tempered steel a thing in historic including myself this is three mana artifact equipment at rare it is a living weapon i believe this is the first time living weapon is coming to historic so basically the deal with living weapons is that they are equipments and when you make them they make a zero zero creature token and the equipment just comes attached to it so basically you get whatever the equipment would be on a zero zero in this case it is equipped creature gets plus one plus one for each artifact or enchantment you control and the equip cost is two so the idea is that by the time this comes down your creature's already like a four four or a six six something like that and then basically for the rest of the game it's like a reattachable all glitters yeah, this card is pretty powerful. You would kind of fanboy a tempered steel deck. <laughs> I would. Card, wouldn't you? I, I don't know how we got there. I turned my nose up at tempered steel for a long time. And one day I was like, it was like that meme. What's that kid's name? It's like, Ricky, don't talk to those guys. And then, you know, it's too late and Ricky's like corrupted or whatever. Good Lord. Have we become the podcast that describes <laughs> memes on the through the, the listening medium? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> magic is just a meme now man i can't argue with that i they are definitely trying to make sure at least some portion of every set is a indeed meme. davriel is the memeiest thing i've ever indeed. seen indeed we'll we'll get to that because there's actually a potentially game-breaking combo with that card too nice tease so yeah so nettle cyst try it in any of your aggressive artifact decks and you'll probably be pleasantly surprised Okay, so next we have a removal spell which is as efficient as they come. Bone Shards, one black mana sorcery at common. As an additional cost to cast the spell, sacrifice a creature or discard a card. Destroy target creature or planeswalker. So, good lord. Apart from this being a sorcery, I don't see a lot wrong with it. I missed this. This is real? I mean... Yep. There are plenty of times you want to sacrifice a creature. Just tell it to Rakdos. Yep. I mean, everybody playing Cat Oven is like, sacrifice, I'm into it. There's going to be a lot of times where you want to discard a card. Tell that to Arclight Phoenix. Tell that to Dreadhorde Arcanist. Tell that to all the Madness cards getting printed. Hollow One. Yeah, yep. this doesn't have to be a downside. Nope. And you take any creature or Planeswalker with you for one, one mana? mana? You're telling me I can do that for one yep. mana? And the Arcanist combo is so insane because you don't even have to buff the Arcanist to play this twice, right? So, <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's true. <laughs> so, I don't know, man. This this card could be real nasty. <laughs> this, this card is nasty. Common. <laughs> Common. Common. So, yeah, I don't know which decks are going to make the best use out of this, but I'd be real surprised if this doesn't show up somewhere. All of yep. them. Any deck with fodder. Like, think about Stitcher Supplier, Shambling Ghast. Like, these cards are making waves in historic now yep. and all you really want them to do is die yep. yeah and i'll tell you what man like even if you got a card out of it you're gonna feel bad if your teferi just eats a freaking bone shards the turn after you play it right <laughs> i mean <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not gonna be good <laughs> so, not, you're not gonna no. like it oh my god this is a this card yeah. is nuts dude between this Dragon Rage Channeler and a bunch of the other stuff we're previewing, you know how in modern it's like if you play a spell that costs four mana, you got to have a good yep, reason. That's what I'm saying, man. That's what's happening. I mean, just here. think about you know you're running four Thought Seizes, you're running four Dragon Rage Channelers, you're running some number of Bone Shards. I mean, I, there's a lot of pretty sexy one mana cards in Historic right now. So yeah, keep an eye on this one. Definitely priced to move. I expect it to be a role player somewhere. Uh, another 
card in a similar vein is Unholy Heat. One red instant, also at common, deals two damage to target creature or planeswalker. But wait, if you have Delirium, it deals six damage, which... <laughs> Which, my friend, is a pretty substantial upgrade. <laughs> like an Elder Gargaroth's worth so of six damage? To the dome, dude. <laughs> Not to the dome. Well, to, to the Gargaroth's dome. <laughs> to the Gargaroth's dome. Yeah, I mean, dome. if this yes. went face, it would just be <laughs> legendary. But, I mean, yeah, this, this card is, like, very good. We talked about Delirium uh, on the last mm-hmm. show. How easy do you think Delirium will be? Because now we have, we have Dragon's Rage mm-hmm. Chandler. And we have Unholy Heat, which are two of the best Delirium cards yep. ever made. How easy is Delirium? Well, the nice thing is, you know, right there, you've got a creature in an instant. So it's a good start. Unfortunately, we don't have... What's that card in modern? It's uh, uh, Mishra's, Mishra's Bobble. Bobble. Yeah. So we don't have cards like that to really kind of push it over the top. We do have the... What's the... Uh, it's like the one drop Chromatic Sphere. Chromatic Sphere and I, do we have Chromatic Star as well? We at least have Chromatic Star. I think we may have gotten the star recently. Anyway, but I don't know if that's a meme, but I mean, that card's priced to move and uh, could even help us to play like a three-color deck if we want to get fancy. Bone Shards makes you a, a believer. Bone Shards is pretty sweet, right? That's a sorcery. Um, and then... Season Pyromancer doesn't sound like a bad way to nope. do it. Season Pyromancer helps you get there. Unfortunately, we the only real playable fetch land at the moment is Fabled Passage, but that does give you a land in the graveyard. So, I mean, we're kind of getting there. One of the things I'm most interested about is the artifact type, and it's actually one of the reasons why I'm excited to try to play a Hollow One deck on day one, because... You know, that's just four artifacts added to your deck. And, you know, with all of the, like, faithless looting and stuff like that, you could easily end up with one of those in your graveyard. Ooh, Scrap Heap Scrounger also sounds like a a nice kind of double duty. Yep, gets in the graveyard, also gets in there. Both things that a deck like this is sounding like it wants to do. Stitcher Supplier feels like it could make a little little comeback. Could make the cut for sure, yep. So, I don't know, I, I think... We're going to have enough tools, whether it all fits together well enough, whether it's an efficient enough package, whether it's better than what else is going on, who knows. But it's a solid start. But I do agree. I think that the artifact type is currently going to be the hardest one in Historic. We just have a a lack of like really, really cheap, super de duper efficient artifacts like some of the other formats have. I was having trouble thinking of enchantments too. Yeah, enchantments is a tricky one, right? Maybe in the right metagame, you could maybe run like dead weight oh okay okay and with laris we could you know something like that we're thinking about all right that doesn't sound it's bad, not bad. At all. okay this, this deck sounds like gas man it's something right and people are gonna play many permutations right they're just gonna try and try and try until they find something that sticks i have my own ideas on various janky builds i'm gonna try that probably aren't gonna be the best builds anyway there's options right we have stuff to do next uh, just wanted to talk hit very quickly on the Merfolk. They printed two fairly powerful Merfolk creatures, the first of which is Svialin of Sea and Sky. This is one blue-blue. Legendary creature Merfolk God at Mythic. It is a 3-4. Svialin has indestructible as long as you control at least two other Merfolk. Whenever Svialin attacks, draw a card, and other Merfolk you control have Ward 1. So all I'm saying is that's quite a lot of text on a three drop. This card is going to survive a wrath most of the time. Uh, It's a sticky threat. It makes the rest of your merfolks 
harder to kill. So the question for me is like whether merfolk is just going to be good enough in general. We need to get a critical mass of merfolk. But I mean, I don't know. This card certainly seems powerful enough. What do you think? This card is cool. I have trouble thinking of a lot of merfolk I would want to play in a format like Historic. Uh, again, this isn't all about what you can do with competitive. I think that you probably could grind out Mythic with a dedicated Merfolk deck if you wanted to that wasn't too heavy on the budget, and now it has a really good Mythic to add. So I, I'm guessing that you could play Merfolk and get somewhere. Uh, there are some cool Merfolk in this set. So for the people who love that archetype, here you go. Yeah, we have Shapeshifters as well. They're always going to do a little bit of help, like Realm Walker, for example, could be a cool card in this we do have some merfolk from previous like i think it was ixalan or one of those sets ixalan known for being just a, a historically just powerful set, set. Just, a, just a game breaker <laughs> i know, you know? <laughs> i will i will note that back in the older in ye oldy days of historic there was already a simic merfolk deck which could get it done in the best of one ladder it was kind of like the precursor to elves, so I think it's it's probably been outmoded by elves at this point, if you want to get up to that kind of shenanigan. But anyway, yeah, Svialin certainly has, like, I'm a powerful top-end in a, in a go-wide merfolk deck kind of vibes to me. I, I like it. I like a lot of the abilities. Kind of um, a different take on the Theros gods from the first time around yep. that feels very tribal. Yep, yep, very cool. It's all, it's almost like a mini Planeswalker. That's how I think about Smile, and it's kind of got that vibe to yeah. it. So another card that's going to go right into that deck, if that deck is a thing, Master of the Pearl Trident. By the way, whenever I read Pearl Trident, it takes me all the way back to frickin' Fallen Empires, which is when I started playing Magic. Uh, that set had a number of Pearl Trident Merfolk in it, and so this just gives me all of those nostalgic feels. None of them were good, by the way. Okay. Nope. <laughs> blue, blue. <laughs> For a 2-2 two, two creature Merfolk at rare, other Merfolk creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and have Island Walk. So just a real simple two-mana Lord with occasional upside, shall we say. But I think this card goes into your Merfolk deck if you end up doing one. Island Walk. Island dude. Walk. Island Walk. <laughs> Island Walk. Blue cards to beat blue cards. <laughs> like, this is why I don't play much Merfolk. They're the ultimate traitors. They're, they're best against uh, other blue decks. That's just the way it I works. Know. Well, fortunately, it doesn't really matter for you, CGB, because you don't do a whole lot of blocking anyway. Yeah, just for, for any of you uh, youthful sweet summer children who may not know what this keyword does island walk forest walk swamp walk basic land name walk basically means that if your opponent controls a land with that type then they cannot block a creature with that land walk for example let's say you're playing against a, a blue white auras opponent you're playing a merfolk deck and uh, you get this thing down all your creatures have the walk they go the way of the walk and all of a sudden they can't block you and you crush them and it feels great that's yeah that's the way it played out in my fantasy in my head so speaking of something which might be a little more busted than that vespa lock have you heard the rumblings going around with this card covert go blue i have i will hopefully have a video on this subject before this video comes ah, okay out. cool so you can go and hear covert go blues more extended depraved ravings as it were I said, hopefully, <laughs> put me on the spot. But yeah, uh, you want to read it and let them know what's up. Okay, so Vespa Log. This is an innocuous looking card 
which is actually really annoying. Vespalock, two and a white creature elemental at uncommon. It is a two on flyer. When Vespalock leaves the battlefield, return target creature card with power one or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. It has evoke, one and a white, so you can cast the spell for its evoke cost. If you do, it's sacked when it enters the battlefield. So this is a fairly harmless looking card all the way up until they created the persist mechanic. So perpetual. Oh, perpetual? Okay, I'm, I'm already mm -hmm. getting them confused. It's okay. So CGB, walk us through why this could be a problem. Okay, I'm going to try to just simmer for a minute while I do that. So... Very innocent little elemental bird-looking thing that comes in the battlefield, and if it dies, you get something that costs one or less a creature back from the graveyard, which, you know, is a basically a phase down. It does say power one or less. Very important, notable that it says power one or less on this card, because it doesn't say casting cost one or less. That would be fine. So when you use a perpetual power alter, like Davriel's minus three ability, or I believe it's called Davriel's Withering, yeah, minus one, minus which two. is the black instant for just one yep. mana, by the way. What that does is it turns the power of the Vesper Lark to zero forever, no matter where it goes. Yep. So when Vesper Lark dies, it goes to the graveyard. It looks in the graveyard with the triggered ability that says you may return a creature card with power one or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. And it says, oh, look, here's, here's Vesper Lark. Vesperlark still has zero power, so you return it to the battlefield. Wait a minute, Vesperlark still has zero toughness because of the perpetual ability. So the Vesperlark goes back to the graveyard. Wait a minute, is that Vesperlark? Vesperlark goes back to the battlefield. Hold on, Vesperlark can't be here. Vesperlark goes back to the graveyard. Wait a minute, hi, Vesperlark. Trigger, 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 Infinity. trigger, trigger, trigger. Resolve, 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 so resolve. You, yeah, two card combo. Infinite entering and leaving the battlefield, infinite dies yep. triggers. So what do you do with that? Cruel Celebrant, Blood Artist, those two end the game without even leaving the colors and without even spending more than two mana on them. But if you just have a Soul Warden, infinite yep. life. Ba and basically anything else that keys off of ETB and or death, right? So by the way, in arena, so not infinite life, but basically as long as you want to sit there and click... Or if, if there's no priority, there might, I mean, the only thing you have to click is choosing what to get back. There might be no choice. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm wondering is like, so if this is the only legal target in your graveyard, it's not a may ability, right? Mm -hmm. Could you just get stuck in a, in a bad loop? Yeah, because the way that it ropes out is eventually priority will pass no matter what, but it still has to complete the loop. And if it's not a may ability and there's nothing else to target, and the only thing you can do is keep it going, it's just going to keep going forever. Yeah. And we've seen that with Polyraptor, mm -hmm. the Polyraptor forerunner of the Empire combo. Speaking of Ixalan, what would happen with that is the game would eventually just end in a draw. You would get a note saying that if neither player takes an action, the game will end in a draw. And after like, I think it's 10 to 15 minutes of just nothing happening but this, the game ends in a draw. Yeah. You can, in a very ugly way, draw a game of magic with this. Oh, man. If you don't have the win con ready, you know, if you don't have the blood artist or the celebrant, you also can't stop it, again, because it's not a may, mm -hmm. if you have nothing else in your graveyard. Uh, this is... Dude, what the hell? Why? Why is this in the set? No, dude. Did they not even... Just nobody paying attention? <laughs> 
It didn't have to be in the set. It's the most random, silly, uncommon to be like, we're just filling out Dude. the file. We're just getting a couple more of our 800 freaking cards. Why? Side note, CGB, isn't it always some stupid, like, two or three mana white or blue flyer? with like one or two power or toughness that ends up making some stupid combo. It's like Pestamite. There's, um, I can't even think of some of the other ones. Anyway, point being, yeah, <laughs> cards like this should have a little flag on them, you know? Like in the wizard's development file, they should have like a little danger flag on them, right? And every time you add it to a set, you're like, okay, gotta check the card list. <laughs> Make sure that it works with, I don't know, one of the main mechanics of the set. This card is yeah. fine, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, I mean... There's nothing actually wrong with, with a yeah. Vesper Lark. It's that they made a new ability that they never thought they would make. And there are probably other cards in the file throughout Magic yeah. history. But the point is, you didn't have to print it into Historic. Yeah. You just didn't have to do it. Yeah. Why? It's it's obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right. You highlight the fact that just in an Ozov deck, you have like at least three cheap cards that all just give you an incredible either game-winning or effectively game-winning combo. Yeah, it's yeah. really obnoxious. Like, if they don't take some preemptive action with this card, this is going to be like the next Thassa's Oracle Tainted Pact deck is what it's going to be. It looks like it. There's not a lot of reason for it not to happen. There's a lot you can do to kind of build a shell around it of good cards anyway. And maybe you can play, what's the card? Is it Rally the Righteous? But there, there's the white card that brings things back from yeah, the graveyard. This set. You could just build around that and have your combo in it anyway. None of the cards we talked about are terrible on their yep. own. So it's all the makings of just another ban. Just another ban. Now, watch out, Crafties, because so the Davriel Planeswalker can make the combo, can go into the deck. Yep. They're probably not going to ban Davriel. Nope. Unless it has other synergies. They're probably just going to ban the stupid elemental. So just keep an eye on your wild cards. That's all I'm saying. So Davriel's Withering is also, you know, also does yep. the job. So yep. say that this is as good as we fear it might be and they need to ban something, they're probably going to ban Vesper Lark, because as far as I know, this is the only card that does this right now. Which means if you ran out and crafted Davriel because you were optimistic that there was a Tier 1 deck, not to mention whatever other cards might make up this deck, you now have spent your Mythics on Davriel, and you're not getting them back. Vesper Lark's nope. an uncommon. Nope. GG. And who knows which other deck Davriel's going to go into as well. I mean, let's be real. There might be a place, but there might not be. That's the thing. Yeah. Depending on how tight you are on wild cards, it might just be a bad, bad pickup. Yep. Just uh, just keep an eye on that. If you want to be on the cutting edge, make the deck, have fun. But yeah, if you're worried about your wild cards, just give it a little time. Just give it a little time. Oh man, CGB, think about all of the like unmod ego memers who are going to come out of the woodwork. <laughs> <laughs> with this deck. <laughs> it's not broken. You can name the Vesper Lark with your unmoored ego, and then they can't combo you anymore. Ha <laughs> ha. I farm I will farm this deck all day. It shouldn't be Got banned. Em. Got him. Got him. <laughs> Don't know why you guys are so worried about it. <laughs> why do we ban anything with unmoored ego in the format? <laughs> we could have unmoored egoed brainstorm any time. If only they knew. If only the pros and wizards and everybody knew about Unmoored Ego on Brainstorm, we wouldn't have to ban anything. Dude, I Unmoored Ego Embercleave all the time. 
Don't know why everyone's worried about. Oh my God. I <laughs> there are people who have said that to me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's even cheaper. Why are you worried? We we actually, uh, we touched on this earlier, but I forgot to read it. So Restoration Angel, one of Kovac Goblu's favorite cards of all time. Do you want to do the honors with this one, Kovac Goblu? I don't even need to look. Yeah, from memory. <clears throat> Three and a white, four mana total. Three, four, flying, angel. When Restoration Angel enters the battlefield, exile another target creature you control and return it to the battlefield. Okay, exile target non-angel creature you control? You did they get it. that right? Yep. Okay, yep. they did get that part right. Because I remember yep. that templating is important so it doesn't loop itself. Yeah. Good idea. But yes, exile target non-angel creature you control and return it to the battlefield. Yep. I know that you know this, but you forgot to say it, that it has flash. What? It has flash? <laughs> yes. Oh my god! It does. I forgot to say it. Maybe I should look at the cards while I read them. <laughs> no, I mean, that was a fun exercise. I know that this is one of your favorite cards. So why don't you tell us why people should care about this card? If you are a magic boomer, one of my favorite things, one of the times I came back to magic, this is... God, is this seven, eight years ago now? It's a long time ago now. Was because I saw some people casting Restoration Angel and blinking Thragtusk, which is Ooh. the 5-3 that when it leaves the battlefield makes a 3-3, yep. and when it enters the battlefield makes uh, 5 life. And that card is legal and historic, so you can do that. It's probably not historic power level, but it, basically the flexibility, the ability to do this at instant speed, save your creature, the ability to do it in combat, ambush something, uh, really just a sweet card. I don't know, man. Why Why should they care? It's Resto Angel. The, the card like defined a format for a long time. It's so amazing. So much fun. This is one of those, this is like a Bane Slayer, right? Where like when people are describing cards, they describe them as Restoration Angels. Yorian is basically like the granddaddy Restoration Angel or the, the, the kingpin. Mega yeah, the Godzilla Angel. of Restoration yeah. Angels. Dude, I, I no longer have to play like Thassa or Glasspool Mimic or something like that. Resto can blink my Yorian at flash speed and then reset and blink everything else, including the Resto Angel, which can come back and, oh, I don't have to play Charming Prince? Oh my gosh, it's it's amazing. Glorious, glorious. So so here's, here's my question for the more furrowed brow mages among us. Like, is Resto Angel going to show up in Historic? Do you think it's good enough even? Because uh, for me, the cost is the main thing. Like, are we are we really wanting to put four mana into this thing? I, I, I have trouble. I have trouble with it because Jeskai Control just doesn't have targets that it even wants to play. It's the closest thing to a deck for it. And otherwise, True. why would you not play a Lurus deck yeah. most of the time? We've talked about all the awesome cheap cards in competitive yep. historic, I think it's going to be pretty hard to do Resto Angel things. And it's too bad because Blade Splicer's in the format. Thrag Tusk is in the format. There's like all these cards yep. that I used to Resto and Giddy. I mean, cackle with glee every time I did it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to be happening in competitive historic, but it'll be good for fun. And honestly, I keep on saying competitive historic because I've been kind of trained to. And I usually think about it, but maybe historic's supposed to be fun, man. Dude, I mean, it's kind of like uh, Andrea Mangucci says, like, it's a bit like modern where you should just play what you like, right? I think Historic's fine. Like, you can have some powerful game-winning Resto Angel deck. Maybe it's a bit too slow, but, bro, but when bro, it works, I'm it's I'm going great. to play Elite Spellbinder. 
I'm going to take your awesome card. Oh, I'm sorry. During you your draw step <laughs> on the next draw phase, I'm going to Resto Angel, my elite spellbinder, and take your new card. Uh, epic. Epic. So, can I tell you what I want to Resto Angel? What? All right. This is the card I want to Resto Angel Thought Monitor. Six and a blue artifact creature construct at rare. It is a 2 2 flyer for seven mana. So, why are we paying all of that mana? Well, we're actually not. It has affinity for artifacts. CGB affinity is back, baby. So affinity, what it does is it reduces the generic mana cost of this creature by the number of artifacts that you have. So the idea is that, you know, this is kind of a top end, quote unquote, top end in your kind of go wide artifact deck. Could be tempered steel. Just saying, just saying. And when Thought Monitor enters the battlefield, draw two cards. I'm sure that Wizards is happy now that you've plugged the Tempered Steel for them. They really want artifacts to be a thing in Historic, and this card is certainly an incentive to do so. Six? It's a lot. Six artifacts is a lot to play this for one blue and get a 2-2 flyer and draw two. Where where are you thrilled with this? If you have five artifacts, that's awesome. I guess if you have four artifacts, that's good. It's three so mana, great, two, dude. two, draw two cards on what's probably turn four, five, or six. I mean, yep. it's a good card. I'm just... It's a good card. And I hate affinity, Here's the other man. thing, right? Tempered Steel and these other artifact decks, they empty their hand real fast. So usually you spend the first couple of turns of the game just absolutely vomiting crap out onto the board. And then maybe on turn three, you cast your Tempered Steel. And as early as turn four, you're kind of twiddling your thumbs, don't have that much to do. And so top decking a Thought Monitor can be really sweet. Now, where this card sucks is if you're playing against a deck that's like killing one of your creatures every turn, or maybe they wrath you on a key turn, and all of a sudden you just have like a thought monitor stuck in your hand because you really can't play that many lands in an affinity deck for me that's just doing something like that's every deck i do does those things <laughs> that's just a day in the life of cgb so yeah i mean you can definitely get a hose with a card like this but powerful card and there are going to be games where your opponent just like chains these off right they just like play three of them in a turn or something and you're like omg busted ban 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 so yeah you should know about it. Emery is a cool card. Emery is a hell of a drug, man. Sure is. All right. Well, there's some more cards we could talk about, but I think that that, that covers a list of stuff in the format that I wanted to talk about. CGB, what have you been cooking up for Historic Jumpstart? Wait, so I get to choose the cards now? Yep. Whatever I want? Whatever you want, man. Really? Whatever Lay I want. So whatever yeah. I want, to, whichever cards I want to talk about, we can talk about. I... That is what I said, and you are a co-host of the podcast, so uh, yeah. You messed up. We got him. You walked right into my trap, right into it. Uh, okay. Consider is one in a blue instant from Innistrad Midnight Hunt. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> what? We're Bro. doing it, man. This is what I want. Bro. Dude, I know you're ranting. I know what you said. I know you don't want to talk about these cards this week. I'm a co-host of the podcast. You said I can talk about whatever I want. I'm excited about Innistrad Midnight Hunt, dude. And I love the cards they previewed. I thought we talked about this, CGB. But I guess, you know, never let a control mage take control of your podcast, man. <laughs> you got him in the lock. All right. You've been Armageddon. 
All right, I, I passed the turn, and I'm not getting another one. <laughs> Consider is one and a blue for an instant. Yeah. Okay. A one mana instant at blue. Look at the top card of your library. You may put that card into your graveyard. Draw a card. Simple, common, Ooh-wee. but we. Ooh, ooh. You felt. Damn. You felt it right in 2022. Something's missing. Something's missing, like the red-blue kind of lower-to-the-ground decks just don't have that oomph. Demi-Lich is completely unplayable, right? And uh, here's Consider. Here it comes. Opt with probably upside in most situations because a card in the graveyard has a lot of uses. Dude, you know what this card is? You know in a Star Wars film when, like, across the galaxy, every Jedi looks up and they're like, what's going on? There's a disturbance in the Force. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what Consider is. Consider is a disturbance in the force. You think it's that big? Dude, this card is freaking fantastic. It is, isn't it? This is going to be a cross-format all-star. I'm calling it right now. I think this might be one of the best cards that's for Historic that's not in Jumpstart Historic Horizons. I couldn't agree more. Like, this with Dragon's Rage Chandler is just go get them, boy. And Arclight Phoenix and Dreadhorde Arcanist and just... Yeah, the list goes yeah. on and on of all the synergies this has, and it's kind of cool that rather than printing like a giant Embercleave artifact, although they may still, they they print like something that's just we took Opt and we took it a little further. We just gave Opt a little push. Opt has been playable; it hasn't yeah. broken anything in standard. It's just been nice, and this is nice plus. And man, did 2022 miss having an opt-like effect. It really does. Yeah, especially with Magecraft in the format oh, and stuff like boom. that. Yeah, didn't even mention Magecraft. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Consider is a banger. I expect this to show up all over the place. All right. I'm going to say this badly. You ready? file. <laughs> <laughs> did you? thing. <laughs> About this card is it's not the first card oh, in Magic's history to start with Triskai deck, right? Triska decophile, Triskai decophile. Because <laughs> you remember Triskai decophobia? I do. Yeah, I do remember Triska decophobia. Apparently, means the irrational fear of the number thirteen, which completely exactly. Nambo with itself because there's a totally rational fear of the number 13 because it's printed on this card. Let me tell you about it. Two mana, one in a blue for a 1-3 human wizard. That's a rare. You have no maximum hand size. People freaking love that line of text as much as they love an unmoored ego, man. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you have exactly 13 cards in your hand, you win the game. Three in a blue, draw a card. Eh? Eh? <laughs> Uh, we're going to get the one installment at a time, baby. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Getting to 13 is going to be hard, but I'm I'm going for it. Seagate Restoration isn't going I anywhere. I was going to say, this is your, you like Seagate Resto. Next turn, you drop your Triskai Decophile. Maybe you leave up some counter magic. And uh, the following upkeep, you win with this trigger on the stack kind of a thing. To me, right? I, I mean, it is awkward because if you have the 13 cards right, what if... Like, what if, man? <laughs> what if they just make you play the counterspell? <laughs> yes, I, that is a problem, right? But then, see, here's the thing, right? Is that hopefully they make you play the counterspell, but maybe like during your upkeep, right, you untap, so then you can pump a little extra mana into this, like make sure that you get there. I don't know. Mm. 
I think that that's what they they wanted to have that on the card so that you had a little escape hatch in case you needed to like draw an extra card. Yeah, I think that it's okay on the rate. And we've seen that it's a slower format. It's a different kind of format. We've seen Skullport Merchant get used. I mean, maybe one in a blue for a one three that with three and a blue to draw a card. That's a human and wizard could be good types. Maybe that just is okay in some matchups and some decks. I'm going to scratch my skeptical beard on this one. Usher of the Fallen, taste <laughs> but- it. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> but it's a sweet card. Okay. It's a sweet card. Okay, fine. Sure. <laughs> well, I'll move it along. Champion of the Perished is one black for a rare zombie at 1-1. One, one. And whenever another zombie enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on Champion of the Perished. Zombies? Can I interest you in some undead? I mean... You can tell the whole point of this card was just the name, right? <laughs> yes. The Champion of the Parish is a human that got plus one, plus one encounters the last time we came to Innistrad. Like the exact same text, just yeah. replace zombie with human, yeah. change black to white. So flavor win, the champion of the parish died and is now the champion of the perished. Still doing the same thing in the afterlife. Yeah, cool card though. I mean, zombies decks sure do like to have a lot of zombies enter the battlefield, so it's priced to move. I don't like immediately love this card, but if there's like some aggressive zombies deck, like for example, a version of a deck looking like the one that Jerry Thompson used to win the Pro Tour with. Reprint Crypt Breaker, man, and it's on. Oh, we need Crypt Breaker again. It's in Historic. Which we do have in Historic, so, you know, Historic Zombie Mages take note. We might we might start getting some pretty good stuff for that. Archetype. Infernal Grasp is one in a black, so two total mana. For an instant at uncommon, destroy target creature, you lose two life. Heartless Act, eliminate. They ain't got nothing on this. It hits everything. Everything. Mm, do they have nothing That's on it? That's a great question. Losing to life, but that was a much faster format. That's true. You know, I think that you're you're a really great reference to answer this question, CGP, right? Because like the whole point of the control deck is to stabilize at some low number Mm -hmm. of life and then turn the game around. So first of all, this is just not going to be a far of in your control deck unless the format looks a very certain way, right? Yes, I'll go with that. I mean, I don't know. I'm just Mm -hmm. thinking I'm going to run a ton of environmental sciences in my best of one learn board you know and and get it back i'm just gonna get it back we'll get there on the real real like this format really isn't that fast i think like the fastest decks i've seen are maybe like mono white go wide and this card's pretty bad against them but i think this is a fine play against mono green for example they play stuff like the troll and stuff it's a pretty good little tempo advantage over them by playing this they don't get your life total low too quickly obviously a fantastic answer to something like gold spend dragon faceless haven dude that that card's got to die. Yes. And it's actually yes. hard to find a two-mana answer to Faceless Haven. Very true. This kills all of the creature lands. That's a huge plus for it. I mean, for me, the real question is how many, right? Because we do have to remember, and I think Standard 2022 has reminded us that we're not going to have Heartless Act and we're not going to have Eliminate in this coming format and so we'll we'll take the doom blade we can get basically and i think this format has also reminded us that power word kill 
Not an amazing magic card. It's making waves in standard right now in the Challenger Gauntlet. Oh yeah, it's like a four of in several decks, at least a two of in most rogue lists, but a four of in a lot of ultimatums because standard's a lot different from 2022 standard. That's that's a good point, right? So if a meta looks different, and I think that that's what it's going to come down to, like the split that you play between Infernal Grasp and Power Word Kill and other black removal spells is just going to come down to what you expect the format to look like. Moving to the next one, I'm going to talk about Join the Dance, which is a gold card, green and a white sorcery. It is uncommon. Create two 1-1 human creature tokens as flashback for three, a green and a white. So flashback is coming back, which if you missed it, that means you can cast this from the graveyard and then you exile it. I mean, that's a lot of humans. I, I think that Make Two Dudes has always found a home. It's just hard, right? Because you compare it to Raise the Alarm, and it's it kind of sucks in comparison to that card. But I totally agree with you that still a looker, still a card to consider. It also depends. Last time we were in Innistrad, we had good human synergy. So if there is another champion mm-hmm. of the Parish or Dahlia's lieutenants, making humans is going to be important. It's usually a tribe. For sure. Yeah, and I mean, that flashback is is not nothing, you know. In my experience, by that phase of the game, the humans aren't going to make a huge difference, but there are many things that could change yep. that. Let's talk about Play With Fire. This is a red for an instant. It is an uncommon. And Play With Fire deals two damage to any target, so it's a shock. But it also has more text than a shock, which says, if a player is dealt damage this way, scry one. They made shock better. Ooh-wee. Almost a strictly... I mean, it is basically just a strictly better yeah. shock. Yeah. It is. Cool. I'm 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 here for it, man. Let's go. I think if they're going to make face burn or any target burn, shock is a pretty good baseline, and I think you could improve on it. I'm also smelling a cycle. They made slightly better opt and slightly better shock. Dude, which is very exciting because mm-hmm. these kind of cards tend to really define a format. Yeah, I'm stoked, man. What is a one white instant that never gets there that could be slightly better? It's healing salve, but instead you gain 10 life. (laughs) 10? (laughs) How much would it take to be worth a card? I mean, can Defiant Strike be plus one plus one? You know? That would be sweet. And draw a card. That would be a heck of a card. That's a good card. That would be a heck of a card, man. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious what else they can do. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, supposing we get like uh, village rights with a scry on the top, you know? Yeah. That would be pretty cool. There you go. That's a good one for black. Yeah. So I saved you a uh, a green mythic with a questing beast worth of text on it. You really want out of this. Wait. Don't, uh, you really want out of this. <laughs> I, I really don't want to read this. <laughs> you, you know what? Your segment, you read the card, CGB. That's the way it's going to go. Challenge accepted. Final offer. This is Ren and Seven. Because Ren and Six was in Modern Horizons. That's true. Oh, uh, I can't even. <laughs> All right. All right. Three green, green, legendary planeswalker Ren. So five total mana. Mythic, five loyalty, plus one. Reveal the top four cards of your library. Put all land cards revealed this way into your hand. And the rest into your graveyard. Zero. Put any number of land cards from your hand onto the battlefield. Tapped. Minus three. Create a green tree folk creature token with reach and this creature's power and toughness are each equal to the number of lands you control. Minus eight. Return all permanent cards from your graveyard to your hand. You get an emblem with. You have no maximum hand size. Are you excited about Ren and Seven? 
I'd be a lot more excited if it wasn't called Ren and Seven, honestly. Does Magic want us to take this game seriously? Because, I mean, <laughs> this card is a meme, dude. This card is a meme. Just wait till Ren and Six and Nine. <laughs> Ren, Ren and 69. Let's go. Dude, I, okay. So for starters, this may be called Ren and 7, but I'll tell you what. Ren and 7's little brother, as it were, kicks this card's ass. As it should. That's a Modern Horizons like mega staple. It was a super push two-mana Planeswalker. Yep. This yep. is a standard Planeswalker, and people got mad about power creep because Oko was too good. So every Planeswalker <laughs> now has to cost five and have a bunch of abilities that do closer to nothing. Yeah, and this this some people are referring to this as kind of like the fixed Nissa, right? Which is, I see an argument for that. So, okay, there's a lot of text on this card. It's definitely going to be... How do I say this? There's a lot of options. A All lot right, of options. we'll break it down. So the plus one, gas or ass? I'm going with ass. Oh, you don't like it? Dude, dude, we used to spend a card on this back in the day called Mulch, you know? Mulch was a two-mana card. Here you get it, like, every turn on a plus one, going up to six loyalty. You draw a couple lands. How many lands do you need? How many many lands do you need? You need all the lands. I'm a control mage, okay? I need every freaking land. Uh, Oh, you're going to play this in your control? Do you have any idea how many creature lands I can be grabbing? (laughs) Are your cyclone summoners going to cast themselves? Answer the question. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's what i thought i i do just fine without ran and seven that's for sure <laughs> okay 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 i mean i think the plus one's okay but how about the zero ass yeah i agree mostly ass doesn't look great to put any number of land cards just boom onto the battlefield i don't know i will say though you can run a lot of creature lands you can run you so can. many that's true we're just gonna run like 40 lands all the creatures in our decks are going to be lands <laughs> Oh, you know, this this card with, what is the class? Is it Dryad class that lets you play multiple lands? Yep. Eh? Yep. Eh? Eh? Okay. All right. All right, you don't Let's have to answer this. <laughs> Let's talk about this minus three, which is the ding, ding, ding. Five mana creates a probably five, five reacher, which just craps all over a goldspan dragon. And, uh, you know, it's pretty good, right? So pay five mana get probably a 5-5 five, five Reacher plus a 2-mana Planeswalker that can... I mean, a 2-loyalty Planeswalker that can do stuff next turn. Now we're interested, I think. That's a very good slam on a board where you're worried about what happens to Red and 7 or you want to create pressure. I think that a lot of people are looking at that and saying, uh, you know, 5-5 five, five Tree Folk, that's good. I mean, if you if you play a deck around this that can kind of control the battlefield, I'm thinking you're going to have 8-8s eight, and 9-9s nine, because you're going to get a lot of land. Yeah, quickly. And this doesn't suffer from the modern Kynan issue where like you make the doggo with modern Kynan and then you're kind of incentivized to not play out your hand, which, you know, sometimes it's fine, but sometimes it's kind of an annoying tension with that card, especially when it's a top deck. Your doggo might not be very relevant. Mm-hmm. You don't have that problem here. Like the the longer the game goes, the more you've emptied your hand, the bigger your creature is going to be. And that's just the way it's going to be. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, we didn't also mention like graveyard synergies. There's probably something in Innistrad. We know about Flashback, but there might also be Delirium. There was last time. Who knows? I I also feel like people forget about Battle for Zendikar last fall being the landfall set. There's a lot of cards that require landfall that aren't seeing much play because there aren't a lot of easy ways to enable them. Yeah. Anyway, what do you think of the minus eight? I mean, it's an ultimate. It's fine. You know, it's basically Harness Infinity, right? But worse because they have to be permanents. Don't you get back the Ren itself? 
I suppose you do. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. It's got a little bit of that Kaya going on, right? Doesn't this card have like a little bit more jazzy going on than you would like? Yes. I. My actual <laughs> verdict is that this could be one of those niche planeswalkers that you never see. Yeah, I just... I don't know, man. Okay, so this this has the chromatic orrery problem. I don't want for my five drop to be ramping me up to like nine mana or whatever. Like I'm trying to do my ramp in the early turns of the game. You know, the turn after Ren and Seven comes down, I want to be like, you know, slamming my haymakers, right? I would rather spend my time in the early game just playing my Quandrix Cultivators or whatever my best ramp spells in the format are, so that when we get to the mid game, instead of casting Ren and Seven, where like Auron's Epiphanying or, you know, just slamming a coma or whatever our top end is, right? So that that's one of the tensions I see with this card. Better or worse than Skeleton Swarming? Oh, <laughs> all right. Well, you had to go there. Probably better. Thank you. And yeah. that card is everywhere <laughs> in 2022 standard. And it actually wins games despite being a freaking jank fest. That's true. That is true, man. Somehow that card prevails. Yeah, I think that you're saying that there's a lot of better options and that ramp doesn't necessarily need it. But I don't know... I don't know if there's a, that much of a better option for like a turn four play after hitting one ramp spell before the, your turn five coma or your cyclone summoner. I'm not convinced that's true. I mean, the minus three is really good. Yeah. Totally fine. Good ability of a planeswalker. I'm just not sure how the rest of the card plays out. Dude right? has no appreciation for drawing land. Thinks that that's just a given. Just thinks that land is a given in life, man. It's cool, like, you you plus it, you draw two land. I'm not saying that it's bad, right? But I just think that, like, there are so, going to be so many board states where you look at this card and you're like, not it, you know? This is just not it. I think you're going to be feeling this card after you play it. I'm, I'm going to predict that this, that this card isn't necessarily a banger, but that it's going to get some play and it's actually going to be really fun. Like, people will like it. I will give you that, like, there's powerful text on the card and this can definitely set you up for like an unstoppable late game. So it's just all of the bits in between, right? It's like, I think what you're trying to do with this card, the play pattern is probably something like drop it, minus three, hope it lives. The following turn, you plus one, you set yourself up for your next couple of land drops. You keep churning towards your big late game. And yeah, if all of those things conspire in a decent way, then cool, you know, you, you got excellent value out of your Ren and Seven. I just think that like there are plenty of situations in which a Planeswalker like a Modern Kynan or a Planeswalker like Onyx are just doing a lot more for you in the portion of the game where you're going to want to play them. But this is five man instead of six. And so that does make a big difference. Yeah. You just you just play this first, they kill it, then you play Onyx. Ha <laughs> ha. Okay, got how em. about this? <laughs> this versus Lolth. So that's a really good comparison because they protect themselves with a minus three in a similar way. But this one, this one has a plus one that doesn't cost you life and gets cards, whereas Lolth has a zero that costs you life and gets you random card. I actually think this is closer to Lolth than people think and in a few yep. ways better, probably much more versatile, a better minus eight. That's for sure, especially in a, like a mid range to control deck. And I think that everybody who's played enough 2022 now kind of sees it that Lolth is a bit of a banger when played correctly. Untapped GG did a tweet when they started tracking 2022 ranked 
and the mythic with the highest like percentage to win the game after it entered the battlefield when they made that tweet was Lolth, compared to cards like All Runs Epiphany and Goldspan Dragon. Which wow. yeah, I think nobody saw that coming. Doesn't surprise me. That that card is a problem. Like it comes down, it is a problem. Yeah. Like no matter what archetype you're playing. And I think that Ren's gonna be a problem too. I think once you feel it, you feel it. That's my prediction. Okay, cool. I'm coming in medium. You seem medium plus. And uh, yep, yep, we'll go with that right on. Okay, after commandeering this podcast, I'm wresting control back from you, CGB, to <laughs> to say it's time for our wrap up. But actually, surprise double play. I'm handing it back to you, Kovac Go Blue. You're going to do the outro today. <laughs> you just like watching this. You just like how bad I am at this. Okay, so thank you for watching or listening to the Arena Craft Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated 100% to the goings-on in Magic Arena. I have been one of your co-hosts, Covert Go Blue. That is your other co-host, Arjuna. You can find both of us streaming on Twitch throughout the week, me at Covert Go Blue and you at Arena Craft podcast cast on twitch that's right you can find both of us at twitter me at covert go blue and you at arena craft podcast i think it's on twitter on twitter pod on twitter i see i can't sorry you can find the podcast on all of your favorite streaming platforms like stitcher and spotify and google Podcasts and apple Podcasts and whatever other ones there might be you can find the video version with all kinds of awesome editing from the amazing bottle brush showing you the cards that we're talking about as we talk about them on my youtube channel at covert go blue and next week if you want more spoiler cards i guarantee there will be some (laughs) Maybe not. Maybe next week we'll just be able to play some games and talk about what happens in them. But let's see. What a novel idea. (laughs) What a novel idea. Anyway, that's the outro. Put a bow on it. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next one. Stay courageous. Later, crafties.